That's John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you speak, believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. Awesome. My name's Stephen Dimitri. I'm a youth minister of the church. Um, that's Kung Fu Panda. And he's learning from the master. Did you see that? He, he goes to, to the little red squirrel to learn from the master. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing this morning, um, actually. We're going to be learning from the master only. We're not going to learn Kung Fu. We're going to learn something much, much, much better. We're going to learn how to tell it like Jesus, from Jesus, how to share the good news of Jesus Christ from the man himself. Um, and that may scare you, that may fill you with, with terror, um, because it's not easy to tell people about Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself, he says, um, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That means it's going to be hostile. Like, we're going to get rejected, we're going to get uh, probably laughed at, mocked. It's not going to be easy. But hopefully, as we look at the Bible this morning, we'll be encouraged, we'll be inspired, we'll be challenged. Because uh, we're not going to go through verse by verse, but we're going to pick up three big things. Number one, why do it? Like, if we're going to face hostility, why on earth do we do this sort of thing? Number two, what to say. And number three, what to remember. So, let's get going. Why do it? And for this, we're going to go straight to um, John 3, verse 16. Have a little look with me. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What an amazing verse. Uh, and yet, like, you probably heard that verse quite a few times. Uh, and like, familiarity with something, that can bore us, can't it? Um, 
me and my friend Nick, we uh, travelled from South Carolina, down in the bottom, up to Wisconsin. That's 19 hours. We drove 19 hours. And we had one CD with, with, with one song on it. And so we listened to one CD, one song, 19 out of 38 hours there and back. We listened to the same song like 700 times, I reckon. I worked it out. But, but, but by the end of the journey, we knew that song inside out and backwards. But what had started an amazing like sparkly song had become overplayed, overheard, and quite dull. And see, that's my fear with John 3.16, that for us, it's become overheard overplayed and we become numb to the beauty of that verse because because this one verse is 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 heart changing life like like, like altering world shaking martin luther said this is the gospel in miniature in other words the heartbeat of christianity is found in this one verse so this morning can you like humor me right can can you close your eyes like nothing weird's gonna happen don't worry just just close your eyes please trust me i'm a youth minister um, close your eyes. And when I tell you to open them again, I want you to look at John 3.16 as though you've never read it before in your life. I want you to listen as I read it as though you've never heard it before in your life. So I'm going to take a moment just to, just to pause. All right, open your eyes and have a little look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What an amazing verse. Like this tells us the secret to eternal life. It's right there in John 3.16. And just a little challenge for you. If you haven't got this memorized, this week, get this verse in your head and in your heart. Because this verse is the motivation behind all we do as Christians. Because this verse is talking about the greatest lover, that's God, giving the greatest gift, his only son, to present the greatest sinners, that's us, with the greatest life ever. The greatest lover gives the greatest gift to give the greatest sinners the greatest life ever. See, God, he gives a gift to this messed up world. Now, uh, my wife, Lizzie, she got me this gift to show her love for me this Christmas, and I think you'll appreciate it, I hope. It's beautiful. Yeah. Ah, oh. If you know me, I-, I like wearing hats backwards, usually like that. But she got me this, this gift that shows how much she loves me. But, but, but this gift pales into insignificance before the, 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 the wonder, the splendor, the beauty of the gift that God gives. Have a look at it again, how John describes it. He gives his one and only son. This is precious beyond belief. This is unique, special, expensive. It's Jesus. God gives us Jesus. And he sends Jesus to die on a cross. And as Jesus dies, that means we can have life. That's what this verse is saying. There is life in the midst of death and it's found only in Jesus and only by trusting him. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the gospel the greatest lover gives the greatest gift to give the greatest sinners the greatest life ever. And see, this is why we do it. Because John 3.16 tells us the op- opposite of not believing in Jesus. Did you see it? Whoever believes in him shall not perish. See, the opposite of this is perishing. John 3.36 spells it out even more clearly. Have a little look down the page. Um, 
he, sa- he says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. This is life and death stuff. This is why we do it. This is why we tell people about Jesus. This is why we evangelize. This is why we tell the gospel, because this is life and death stuff. It is serious. It's like we're on a boat, and that boat is slowly sinking. And Christians know where the life raft is, know where Jesus is. So how selfish is it to keep it to ourselves? Like, we have to tell us about it, because it's eternal life at stake. And... By the way, if you don't know this for yourself, if, 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 if you're not trusting Jesus, can I urge you to read John 3.16 this week? Have a little look at it. Because if you read and understand that verse and then believe it, that's going to change your life for all eternity. This is why we do it. Because the greatest lover gives the greatest gift to present the greatest sinners with the greatest life ever. That's why we do it. But then what do we say? Like, 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 what do we say talking about Jesus? Well, let's have a look what Jesus says. Have a little look at John 14. John 3, verse 14, sorry. This is what Jesus says. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus talks about this mysterious Son of Man figure. He's talking about himself. It's Old Testament speak for, for, for him. Jesus talks about Jesus, so we need to talk about Jesus. Like people these days will want to argue about absolutely everything, about uh, a creation, about homosexuality and marriage, about suffering, whatever it is, get the conversation around to Jesus because that's where life is. That's where life comes from, from him alone. So like when your friends ask questions about creation and science and stuff, Talk about Jesus, the one through whom and for whom everything was made. All those questions about marriage and homosexuality. Turn to Matthew 19 and look at Jesus' definition of marriage. Or, or talk about the bridegroom who lays down his life for his bride. And when it's suffering, well, talk about the cross. Where Jesus, God himself, goes through suffering, agony, betrayal, rejection, even death. To bring us a suffering-free future. Like, talk about Jesus. He talks about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. But, 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 but what do we say? Like, still, what do we say? Well, um, there are really simple and easy ways to remember really important things. Like, K.R.N. Rooted, this is your chance to shine. Um, at K.R.N. Rooted, we have a phrase, B-Y-O-B, which means... Yeah, well done. It means bring your own Bible. <laughs> yeah. um, or, or, or like in the first aid world, we have, we have a drab or Dr. ABC, which means... Anyone know? Doctors in the house? No, no one knows. Okay. We're in trouble if, if any emergencies happen. Um, it, it means danger, response, airways, breathing, and circulation. Uh, but, but, but like easy ways to remember really important things. And so here's a really simple way to remember what to say about Jesus. WWW. Who, what, why. Say it with me. Who, what, why. Yes, you're there. Good. Um, we talk about who Jesus is. We talk about what he has done, and then we talk about why it matters for us. And you may have noticed that's exactly what Jesus does in John 4, uh, 3, 14, 15, and exactly what John does in John 3, verse 16. He talks about who Jesus is, the Son of God. What he's done gets given for us, and why it matters because eternal life is at stake.
We talk about who, what, why. Ultimately, we talk about uh, the greatest lover giving the greatest gift to present the greatest sinners with the greatest life ever. So that's why we do it. That's what to say. And in a moment, we're going to hear what to remember. But first, over to Chris. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Our next song. Um, so we've seen uh, why to tell people about Jesus. We, we, we've looked at what to say. And now we're going to look at the framework, like what to remember. But first, pregnant women. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, pregnant women, they have cravings, don't they? Like, like food cravings and stuff they have to eat. Um, maybe, apparently, I, I don't really know. But, but like, I'll be like that too. I, I get certain food cravings of food that I just have to eat. And like it won't get out of my head until I've eaten it. Like, I annoy Lizzie so much, my wife, by talking about food so much. But um, here's things that I've eaten before. Um, first, it was deep-fried American buffalo wings with, with a blue cheese sauce. That was in my head for ages. And, but I had it. Next one was these uh, cinnamon rolls with the cream cheese frosting. Delightful. But currently, the sign that's been in my head for, for oh, nearly three years now, and I can't get rid of it, right? A greasy yet sublime mixed donner kebab. So if you know where to find a kebab in Hove or, or, or beyond, like I'm willing to travel far, please let me know. Like, like, I this craving, I need it. And see, this is the first thing we need to remember, right? Um, that people, uh, people are hungry. Um, people are hungry. Like, like deep down, people are craving something more. They're craving something deeper, something spiritual. Have a look at Nicodemus in John 3, verse 1. That's on page 1065, in case you've lost it. Have a look at Nicodemus. Because he's a pretty unlikely guy to go to Jesus. Look how he's described in, in John 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This guy is like a religious leader, a Pharisee. And in the Gospels, the Pharisees are pretty anti-Jesus. And yet he goes to Jesus. He, he's hungry for something more. And not only him, but, but because in John 4, as we'll see in four weeks' time, um, we meet someone else who's the opposite end of the spectrum. So here you've got Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious leader who looks sorted. And then in John 4 we meet the other end of the spectrum, a woman with a shady past who's not a Jew, who looks on a complete mess. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, every single person in all of humanity, the ones who look broken and the ones who look sorted, everyone is hungry for more. Everyone needs Jesus. The whole entire humanity needs him. People are hungry. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, he said like this, he said, if ever people were starving for a God the size of God, then surely it is now. That's so true. Like, in my experience, people are much more willing to have spiritual conversations than we think. If only we'd be bold to speak to them about stuff. Like, people are hungry. And also, unlikely people are hungry too. I mean, have a think for me. Is there someone who you think will never, ever, ever step foot in a church? Or never, ever, ever become a Christian? Because deep down, that person is hungry for something more. They're hungry for Jesus, even if they don't know it themselves. And God can save anyone. Sam Albury, he said this, he said, it is laughably easy for God to save anyone. I love that. Like from any background, any situation, God can save anyone. 
So that friend that you were thinking of, um, don't give up on them. Keep inviting them to church. Keep inviting them to KO or to Rooted. Keep talking about Jesus with them. Because God can save anyone. People are hungry. And without Jesus, they're going to starve. That's the first thing, people are hungry. So, make time for people. Um, have a little look at John 3, verse 2. Look at when Nicodemus shows up to speak to John. Let's speak to Jesus. John 3, verse 2. He came to Jesus at night. And nighttime in John's gospel is quite important. Jesus is the light of the world. Nicodemus coming at night is showing that he's opposed to Jesus. He's anti-Jesus at this moment in time. But he comes. And you can imagine him like skulking around, like ashamed, trying to hide so people don't see him or recognize him. Like doing the book thing. Like, here's one we noticed. He goes at night. And like, my bedtime's 10 o'clock. So if someone's in my house, like, past 10 o'clock, I'll do all I can to get rid of them. I'll like, that's really rude, I know, sorry. If you've been to my house past 10 o'clock, I'm very sorry. But, but like, I, I'll yawn, I'll stretch, I'll stamp my foot, I'll say, right! Uh, like, tap my watch, look at Lizzie, all, all, all the moves. So if Nick and Enos comes knocking at my door, he's not getting in. Uh, just, 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 a, just a little show of hands. Um, we'll, we'll do a bedtime vote here at BH. Uh, whose bedtime is after seven o'clock? Hands up. I hope everyone's is. Maybe after after seven o'clock. After seven p.m. After seven p.m. in the evening. After eight o'clock in the evening. After nine. After ten. Yeah, that's me done. After eleven. Whoa, these are late people. Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> like, like, like Nicodemus comes at night. He wouldn't get a show in at my house, but with Jesus, Jesus makes time for him. And look, in verse 3, he replies to Nicodemus. In verse 5, he answers Nicodemus' weird question. Verse 10, another weird question answered by Jesus. He takes the time to spend with Nicodemus. Jesus makes time for people, so we should too. And I wonder, what would that look like for you? See, maybe it will mean in your diary, you'll carve out an evening or, or a day a week where you're not doing Christian activities, where you're seeing other people, like a board game club or a running night, whatever it might be, make time for people. And also, make time for people that no one else would make time for. So, like um, the PPI phone salesman, yeah, who says, if you miss old PPI, why not ask them their name? Ask them a bit of their story. Or Jehovah's Witnesses on the door. Like, talk to them, engage them, make time for them. Or at school, uh, that lonely kid who no one really likes. Maybe go out and reach out to them, talk to them, make time for them. Because um, a friend of mine, Peter Boss, used to say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And like by making time for someone, by asking their name, by finding out their story, that's making time for someone. That's showing that you care about them. And that's where spiritual conversations happen. Make time for people. Um, people are hungry. Make time for people. And remember, it takes time. Like, the best things always take time. For example, does anyone know how long it takes, on average, to roast a pig? Anyone want to guess? Any, any shouts from the audience? Audience, the congregation? 12 hours for Mark. Any advance on 12? 14 over there. Apparently, it takes 10 hours to get an average pig succulent, juicy, uh, like it's like crackling on top and beautiful meat underneath. Oh, 10 hours. Or anyone know how long it takes to translate the Bible into a different language? Five years back there? Six years there? 20 over there somewhere? Apparently, it takes 25 years on average. 
The best things take time. Uh, And it takes, on average, two years for someone to become a Christian from when they first heard about Jesus. On average, two years. It takes time. I mean, look at Nicodemus. Here, he's, he's skulking around privately. And then in John 7, he turns up and he's publicly defending Jesus. From a private, uh, not, not believer, he's now defending Jesus. And then in John 19, he shows up again. And this time, he's there carrying Jesus' body, helping with the burial. That's unheard of. Like, it took him time and suddenly he's a changed and transformed man. So maybe there's someone you've been praying for for years and years and years or sharing with for years and years and years and you've seen no change in them. Don't be discouraged. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep sharing. It takes time. But also, don't underestimate the power your words have. Um, Lizzie, my wife, she was at university and there was a girl on that course called Jenny. And, and Lizzie shared a bit about her faith with Jenny and Jenny always seemed like not that interested. Until one day, there's a knock on Lizzie's door and Jenny's standing there and Lizzie says, hi. And Jenny's like, Lizzie, I think you know why I'm here. Lizzie's like, what? I got no idea. And Jenny says to her, Lizzie, I've been thinking about what you said and I want to become a Christian. Like Lizzie had no idea what God was doing through her words. I never underestimate the power of saying something about Jesus to someone. See, and that's our fourth point. God does the work. God does the work. People are hungry. Make time for people. It takes time. And remember, God does the work. Have a little look at John 3, verse 6. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. What he's saying there is, like, someone can't change themselves from the inside. Or we can't force someone to become a Christian through our our wise and and fancy words. No. For someone to become a Christian, it is only the work of God through his spirit that brings life. That's the only way. God has to move. God has to work through his Holy Spirit to bring brand new life into someone. It's not on us. And it's not on them to change themselves. It's a bit like this, um, a bit like baking with children. Anyone made, made a cake with children under five? Like, like there's only one person doing the work there. It, it, it's, it's not the three-year-old kid cracking eggs into their mouth or, or, or the five-year-old licking the spoon. No, no, no. The adults making that cake, the children are helping, but only one person's doing the work. That's like us with sharing the gospel. We stumble and fumble our way through sharing a little bit about Jesus. And God does the work. People are hungry. Make time for people. It takes time. God does the work. And if God does the work, well, why not pray for God to do the work? Why not make a list of all the people you know who aren't Christians? And every day, pray for them. Pray that God would change each one of their lives. Because he does the work. And so, when we're turning it like Jesus, we need to remember this. That the greatest lover gives the greatest gift to present the greatest sinner's with the greatest life ever. Because the extent to which we believe that will determine how we'll go out and spread the gospel. Let's tell it like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those amazing words in John 3.16. Thank you that it tells us the secret to eternal life. And it's found in one person, in Jesus alone. 
And Lord, would we be bold to share with our friends and family about this Jesus where life is found? Would we talk about him? And would we ask, would we ask that you would do great things through our conversations because it is you who does the work and you who changes hearts and changes lives. So by your spirit, please bring new life to our friends and family as we share about the greatest love, giving the greatest gift, to present the greatest sins with the greatest life ever. Amen.